What's up, guys? This is Andrew, and welcome to episode 63 of Inbound Agency Journey. This week, we are fired up to invite Marcus Sheridan from the Sales Lion onto the podcast to drop some knowledge on you guys. This is a really fun interview. I had a chance to chat with Marcus about how they got their agency up and running, how he went through that transition process of river pools and spas into an agency that helps other people find the same success that he did in that journey. It's kind of a journey of discovery and some cool insight in there. And then also what sets Marcus's business approach apart from, you know, what other inbound agencies might doing, might be doing. And while you might not take his model and copy it verbatim, I'm pretty sure you're going to find some cool insight inside of this interview that you can apply to your agency today that'll help you create better content and create bigger buy-ins across your client organization. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. All right, Marcus, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. Excited to have you here, man. Well, I'm excited to be here, brother, and uh, long overdue, so uh, hopefully we can add a little value to the lives of your audience members today, buddy. Well, dude, that's what we are excited about, and uh, thank you for coming on here. Would you mind kicking us off, just sharing your background, how you got into this inbound space, and how you kind of got into the agency world then after that? You know, my story is one where I had a swim, swimming pool company we started in 2001, and, uh, you know, the business was kind of doing okay, you know, just struggling, but surviving, and 2008 is when it all just went really, really bad, and I thought we were going to lose the business, lose the company, and it was during that same time that I, in the midst of, of where we were, I realized, you know, if we don't figure out a way to generate traffic, lead, sales, revenue without spending a bunch of money on advertising, we're pretty much screwed. I mean, we're going to go out of business. I'm going to lose my home. Uh, two business partners are going to lose their home, and uh, we're going to have to file bankruptcy. So I stumbled across webgrader.com at the time, which was, if you recall, Andrew, that was HubSpot's, like, you know, that, that program Darmesh had come up with, which analyzed your site for you. It was pretty wild. And I was, I would consider myself semi-competitive, and I got a grade of a 17 out of 100 on my website. <laughs> I'm like, what? You kidding me, man? So I said, how do I get this thing up? And of course, it talked about, you know, producing traffic, having a blog, um, I mean, it just talked about all these calls to action, landing pages, yada, yada, yada. And so that that's really what started me on my quest. And uh, to make a long story short, we did some pretty cool things with River Pools. It became, over time, the most traffic swimming pool website in the world. And because it was going so well, I started to write and talk about what we had done. And part of that story was this company called HubSpot really made a big difference for me. And so people started asking me, so, you know, um, can you show me how you did this with Inbound, with HubSpot? Uh, what are your thoughts on HubSpot, Marcus? Do you think it would work for my business? If I knew it, you know, I was, I constantly had people asking me about HubSpot. And so I said, actually, HubSpot contacted me and said, man, you know, people keep mentioning you to us. And uh, we think you should probably be a partner so I became the first HubSpot partner that wasn't a marketing agency at the time. Gotcha. And, um, but I ended up becoming one through 
what was just a blog became a business, and that, of course, today is the saleslion.com. Dang, that's awesome. So you just kind of stumbled into helping other people out by just telling your story. It's funny how it works, man, but but uh, that's oftentimes just how things do work. You don't have to – I mean, people can get their arms around stories. They 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 oftentimes can't get their arms around jargon. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they could get their arms around stories. And a lot of people said, man, if he could do it with a swimming pool company, why wouldn't that work for me? Amen. That's awesome. So the story resonates with people when, they, when they're either following you, they're listening to you. Um, so now, now, like the way you approach things, we've had George on the podcast here. We can just kind of watching you guys. You do things a little bit differently than most agencies. Um, and I love that about you guys. Um, so when, you're, when you think about the business, when you think about the sales line, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to define the sales lion as you're going out and helping people kind of rethink their marketing? Yeah, you know, and so so you said rethink their marketing. And to me, I want, I want to help them rethink the way they communicate online and off. I think that's what's happening with business today. I think as we talk about the convergence of sales and marketing, it's just really the language that we use as a company and it's our philosophy as a company. And... No doubt. When I started this, I thought, you know, I'm just, I'm just teaching people how to use HubSpot. And then I realized I was teaching about marketing. And then I realized I was teaching more than inbound marketing. I was teaching about marketing, but I was also teaching inbound selling. Then I realized, wait a second here, I'm really a consultant to their company that helps them grow the business and helps them communicate in a way that impacts their website, impacts their sales process impacts everything they do and say online and offline, right? So that's where that's where it's going. That's where it's evolving to. And I just, I, you know, Andrew, I'm not that guy that is, wouldn't call, consider myself a prolific five-year plan and um, this is how I want to do it and yada, yada. The way I do it is I just start with an idea and roll it out to the marketplace and the marketplace tells me where it needs to go if I'm willing to pay attention. And also if I'm willing to listen to, to my own self, right? Because I knew early, I really, I didn't like producing content for other people. I got a lot more satisfaction out of helping them produce their own content, for example. And so that was, that was one thing that made us very different early on. And it's clearly not ideal for everybody. But for me, man, that was, that was exactly what I needed to be doing. Dude, that's awesome. I love, I love seeing agencies find their groove and seeing them understand what sets them apart and what they do well and go running after that instead of trying to be who someone else tells them to be. It's a big problem in this space, man. You know, and it, yeah. So everybody, you know, you, you see all these other agencies, and they're like mini HubSpot agencies, right? Almost yeah. it's like they've got these amazing offices and this amazing culture and this and I, so I've gone to some of those places you know what I mean I've gone to those offices I've been in element three I've been in groove I've been you know in and uh I mean in a bunch of agencies at this point and and every time I'm in I'm like this is pretty cool man they got a good vibe here get, get a, they got a good culture and then when I leave I say but that ain't for you man that ain't for you dude <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just not. I got an employee in Alaska. I got an employee in North Carolina. And uh, I got an employee um, that's in Virginia, but not near me. 
that's how we roll in it. We just are built better that way. Like me, I am built better that way. I am built better not being a nine to five guy. I hire non nine to five people. You know, it's just, I don't ever, let me give you one example, bro. I, I've never done, I have no idea how long my people work each week. That might be terrible, but I have no concept of their hours per week. Gotcha. Yeah. That would, that would flip some owners' minds. Just yeah. 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 And and I'm sure it's, I'm not, by the way, I'm not bragging about it. It's just, it's just how I am because, because I'm not, I'm, you know, George, I'm sure he'll be the first one to tell you, man. Marcus is the antithesis of a micromanager, <laughs> and uh, and and I'm just like, hey, we're all owners here. Like, we got the owner's mindset, and treat it like it's your company. I'm not going to micromanage you, and I uh, expect you to be world class. And I don't care what time of the day you're world class. I just want you to be awesome. And uh, so that's us, man. That's why we got emails flying around at you know ten, eleven o'clock at night. Whereas some companies have the rule of, you know, you're not allowed to email after five. I mean, dude, if we had that rule, I would cut down ninety percent of our emails. <laughs> that, that's awesome, man. So we've got a we've got a vision as an owner of the type of company we want to build today. Market might change as we move forward, but we're gonna surround ourselves with people that fit that vision, that wanna kind of march to that same beat, and that's that's a big impact for success. When you I guess when you guys are looking at prospects, what does how does the way you guys operate as an agency change the the different types of companies that you work with that you deliver success to? Well, I mean, truth be told, I've turned down probably at this point millions of dollars in in potential business because I I didn't want to be a larger agency, right? Um, every single I you know if I talk about web design in front of an audience, you know, fifty percent of the people in the room are like. Is that something you offer? Yeah, and I, and you know I say I say no. Um, what what it's what it's what it's meant is I tell dramatically more people we're not a good fit for you than I do say hey I think we should we should develop some type of relationship some type of engagement uh-huh. and um, the reason is because we we are looking for a very select type of business. The type of business that I want to work with is a somebody that has a teacher's mindset, like they love to teach and they want to be the thought leader of their space. That's pretty much the first qualification, okay? Because when you have that obsession, it overcomes all the other red tape and crap that can that can pop up over time. So that's number one. Number two, I look for a company that has buy-in or is willing to do what it takes to get by and across the board, especially with the big three, which is leadership, management, and sales teams. If that isn't there, I don't play. And I used to play, but I stopped playing because I found that, again, too many obstacles, too much red tape, too much complaining, too many silos. I just can't stand silos at this point. Um, so that was the second thing. The third thing is I wanted to work with, or we, we, we aim for, to work with companies that want to feel like they own this thing called inbound. That for them, it is a culture, not a program. That they, um, that they talk about it in-house. That the sales team is very not just aware of it. They could define what inbound is. They can define the content strategy. They can, uh, they can teach somebody how to use content in the sales process. That everybody on leadership can sit there and say, yeah, we use 
you know, we use HubSpot or we use Inbound or we use this tool or that tool, but here's the reason why. They can always explain the why. That's the type of organization that I like working with. Frankly, that's the extreme minority. <laughs> I mean, because because a lot of organizations, um, they are fundamentally, they lack the vision or are too lazy to um, to do that. Yeah. And that's that's truth. That's yeah. true. No, we see that as well. So when you're going through and you're talking to people, how do you smoke out or how do you like identify those companies that are teachers? What do you look for in those conversations? Well, we do a really good job of telling people who we are and who we're not. Basically, if you really want to understand what we do, here it is in a nutshell. And I say in that video, and it's, you know, it's just a nice little just infinity white background, me talking. And it's like, look, this is how we roll here at the sales line. What that does immediately turns people on or off. That's what we want. We want to polarize, right? Yeah. And so we, we quickly have people that come to us and say, I love your style. I love your philosophy. We've got another group that never contacts us because they clearly don't love the style and the philosophy. They want somebody to do all the work for them. And here's what's crazy about Andrew. The somebody that does all the work for them um, quite possibly is much stronger of a financial model for agencies mm-hmm. because you got to have retainers, man. You know what I mean? I mean, it. <laughs> the long-term revenue is incredibly important, but our average retainer is somewhere between eight and 12 months. You know what I'm saying? And that's because it's intentional. You know, I, I tried to teach people how to fly and then push them out of the nest. Okay. And we might do light retainers consulting after the fact. And we do, I mean, we do some, but even st- because we produce zero content and because we don't, we don't write things. We are always showing people how to do it, but we don't do anything without them being present gotcha. because we're obsessed with them learning how to do it themselves. But one thing like we do have is we've got what I feel is the best coaching program for inbound and for HubSpot in the world right now. Um, it's a year-long program that truly makes sure that – I mean we ain't talking about some chompy certification here. We're talking about how to make somebody an inbound and HubSpot beast. And um, that's why they have one to two training meetings with us virtually every week. They're required to attend. And I tell people up front, and this is, you talk about weeding people out. We have probably the most frankest sales process, like communication that you ever hear. Because I tell people all the time, I'm, I really don't think you're ready for this. And it, it offends people a lot, right? Yeah. And they say, why yeah. do you think I'm not ready for it? Because I don't feel... Like you, you have the vision of what it's going to take to get this done because you're asking me a lot of questions that denote that you have a bunch of other priorities and it's not there for you. You don't get it yet. And until you get it, this ain't going to fly. And, um, but what it, what it does do is for the people that are all in, man, it, it forms this crazy bond and it forms a crazy relationship that's powerful. And there's another group of people where, you know, I'll say um, I sense resistance from this department in your company or this department in your company. And so if that continues, you're either going to have to let that person go or we're going dis- to end the relationship. We're going to end the engagement. Mm-hmm. I've also told people, told um, uh, clients before, you know, I see you've missed, you know, you're, you've missed two of your coaching calls in the last month. If you miss another one, I'm going to let you go. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's our mindset. Yeah, that's you're our flipping mindset. the tables on them. Yeah, and again, I don't. I I don't think anybody that's listening to this should say that's the brightest thing I've ever heard, um, because because it's not easy to. Um, it's not necessarily easy to do it this way, but what it does do, it does create some of the most incredible inbound case studies on the planet. And I can say that in a braggadocious way because it's true. We've got some of the sickest case studies that have been featured in Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine. Um, We have clients that have spoken at Inbound. These are people that they have the owner's mentality and it becomes like who they are, that inbound way. Yeah. And most agencies, and it's not a knock on most agencies, but most agencies don't have that. Yeah. They have they have deliverables, and sure they've got some results, but we're not talking about world class, stupid, crazy. How did this happen? This person's leading their industry just like River Pools leads their industry. We've got a dozen other River Pools by this point stories. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, are you seeing the structure you've got around for your clients when you're bringing them in? Is everyone running through like? coaching on a regular basis with you. I know you guys do yeah. on-site workshops. Can you yeah. give our listeners just a breakdown of what does your journey look like that you we, walk your clients through? Yeah, we pretty much um, we pretty much require everybody to have a workshop to start an engagement. And in that workshop, sales team is required to be there. Leadership is required to be there. And if marketing there is there, that's fine. But I know they'll be there anyway, okay? <laughs> right? But what's required is sales and leadership. And if they're not there, again, we don't play. We don't – I'll reschedule. Okay. It's required. And um, we also, generally speaking, we have them have a content manager on staff. So what that is is that somebody that just owns the inbound side of the company, the content side of the company. Specifically, we want an owner of the content that um, is the organizer, that's the ringleader, that's the editor, that's the cheerleader, that's all those things, all those things. And we train that person first and foremost to be great at the tool and great at the strategy. And oftentimes, we'll help companies hire this person. We generally target recent journalist graduates because they're good with, um, they can write, edit, interview, they are um, generally good with uh, video, and they're generally good with social. And so those are the you know three things that we're looking at. And there's a surplus of those recent journalist graduates out there. Okay. I don't usually look to hire marketers. Um, I look to hire good writers and communicators for that particular position. And so um, we, may, we make sure that they have that person on staff, and then we have the um, – Immediately, we immediately lay out an editorial calendar with them, and that content manager immediately starts to produce content. We do not waste any time for that, and we try to immediately inject that content into the sales process as quickly as possible because, you know, the biggest problem with inbound marketing as a whole, A, other than the fact that people see it as just as marketing, which is a semantic problem, it's a name problem, is B, you hear things like saying, well, if you do this, you need to prepare yourself to not really see results for the first year. Well, that's dumb in my opinion because I think you can see results with inbound marketing tomorrow if you do this the right way. And so if you do it the right way, what happens is, let's be hypothetical for a second. Let's say content manager meets with salesperson. Salesperson 
is going to do an interview with Content Manager on video. And Content Manager is going to ask that person four questions over the course of 30 minutes. And um, so salesperson is going to answer them. And in the process of, of preparing to answer them, they probably did extra prep work to communicate it well. And inevitably, what's going to happen is tonight when that salesperson goes on a sales call um, and gets that question, they're going to do a dramatically better job of answering the question. Sure. And so that's the process of training a company how to communicate much better. And that's an immediate victory for inbound. Or let's say hypothetically we produce a piece of content today that's a text or video-based piece of content that's clearly a sales-driven piece that's written for the sales team. It's one of the major questions they get all the time. That immediately gets put into the sales team's toolbox to use before, during, and after the, quote, sale, right? And, um, you know, that is an immediate victory if all of a sudden they are not having to answer the same dumb question they answer 80% of the time on first sales appointments. Yeah. And it's because, you know, sales sales teams, what we find is 80% of the questions they answer on the first call or pitch are the same questions. It's the 20% where the magic occurs because they're individualized, specific to that company's needs. Okay. And so what happens if the prospect can already answer for themselves those 80% of questions? And the answers they got were from that company from potentially the salesperson. That's pretty powerful, and that's what we try to establish really, really early um, in the game. So that way, our goal with Inbound is to get the sales team fired up, excited, and jacked, and engaged. We don't really care about the marketing department. Gotcha. That's our entire focus is towards them. Yeah. And um, and I don't, I don't really think it works like that in in a lot of situations, frankly, Andrew. I don't, uh, I think it's, I think it's a very marketing silo conversation, oftentimes, unfortunately. And I'm sure leadership is there some, but uh, that's that's the way that we roll, and that's why I think, you know, we can we can say, all right, good, that was a media victory. And from an agency standpoint, when you do a workshop and the sales team is there, you immediately get respect. Instead yeah. of getting resistance, you got respect now. So that's why it's required. That's why it's such a big deal. And I think that's one thing, Marcus, that I know when we were getting Guava Box started, I kind of felt this hesitancy when I'm talking with a prospect. I'm more nervous about just closing the business than I am about doing the right business. And mm -hmm. so if I'm talking to a marketer and they say, you know what, the CEO had to cancel today, I'm like, okay, well, that's all right. We'll just get him on the next call or something like that. That just, that's sowing, that's sowing seeds that are just going to, Grow powerful, Andrew. Yeah. That's right. That's really, really powerful. And anybody that has that happen to them should not just raise an eyebrow, but should say, okay, well, we're going to stop here. Because we have to send a message very early on that there has to be full engagement, full involvement from leadership on down. It's trickle-down economics here. And if we start to let things pass and then we start to let things go, just like you just said, Every single time it comes back to bite us, and then we wonder, man, how did they all of a sudden become a just interested client? Yeah, let the momentum all of a sudden just slow down. Why all of a sudden do they does they just have all these other priorities, whereas before they really seemed like they were into this? Yeah, so buy-in starts from the beginning. If you guys are or right. so just buy-in is a tonal based concept. 
the tone that we use in the sale, and then the way that we clearly communicate the thing. I mean, like when I say somebody, now look, this isn't for everybody, might not be for you. And if before it gets out of my mouth, oftentimes they say, well, what do you mean it might not be for you? Well, we find that for at least 50% of the people we talk to, HubSpot and Inbound, they're not a good fit for, for example. Okay, And then they say, why? Well, because the tool is only as good as the person swinging the hammer. It's not a magic pill. And so you've got to be fully dedicated to becoming great at it. And so if you think all of a sudden by paying for this thing, you're going to get incredible results, you clearly will not. So that's the first thing. And this content will not be produced unless you're all in. And frankly, there's a lot of people out there that say, yeah, I'm all in, and then they get started, and then they're not because they've got a bunch of other priorities, and the person's got all these other hats that they're wearing, got all these other fires that you're trying to put out. This has to be religion. And that's a phrase I like to use with people. This is a religion. It's what we do. It's like payroll on Fridays. We don't miss it. Gotcha. So are you trying to grow a habit into someone who hasn't who hasn't thought like that, hasn't acted like that in the past? You're, you're kind of grooming new behavior out of your clients. You are, and that's why. And this might sound really weird to some, but almost, almost, not every time, because we're flawed, but almost every single time we've ended an engagement, it sounds something like this. The client says to me, Marcus, you said to me, that if we didn't do our part, this wouldn't work. And it's obvious we're not ready to do our part. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, Marcus, right there. There's that perspective coming from them. It is. And it's and I don't feel great because, hey, it's a lost opportunity for them. But at least I know they're not sitting there writing a bad review um, online or they're you know talking bad about us or saying those guys stunk. Yeah. They're simply saying we just weren't ready. Mm-hmm. And that's why I stress it so stupidly much at the beginning. Gotcha. That is awesome. Um, now, I know there's someone listening to this being like, okay, this is Marcus Sheridan talking like Mr. Keynote Speaker. He's got it all together. But, you know, you're human too. Would you be willing to share something that's either frustrating you about your business right now or a recent failure that you might have come across that you've learned a lesson from moving forward? What is uh what's like a recent experience like that that you have gone through um either internally or with a client? Yeah. So um there's been times when I failed to help choose the right content manager. Um that is a challenge because at first I would fall in love with personalities over skills. Okay. And I realized that was a huge, huge mistake. They gotta be a freaking awesome writer. But not just a great writer. They've got to be. They've got to be really great at turning work over quickly. And you see, there's a lot of people that can write okay that don't turn it over quickly. So that's a big problem. I also realize that oftentimes, if somebody was really, you know, we 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 would look for a content manager, and somebody was really good with video and pretty good at writing. I'd say, well, they're really good with video, pretty good at writing, and then all of a sudden, I realize, oh snap. We're not producing any textual-based content, not quick enough. They're not strong enough with the written word. Yeah. And so that was really a big problem. I'm sure a lot of people could relate to this with their own, like when they hire writers, right? You know, it's like it's easy to fall in love with personalities. And so we, we, we really have a much better hiring and vetting process for those people now. In fact, their, their second interview, what they think is an interview, 
they have to interview the person that's interviewing them for a story. Oh, wow. And so we walk in. They walk in and they say, okay, so here's the question that I want you to interview me on today. I'm going to talk to you just like I would. You're the content manager here. And you take the notes however you want to take them. And you've got 48 hours to bring back a 700-word article, document, that um, addresses this conversation. Wow. And that got rid of a whole bunch of my problems. Like, I mean, that weeded out a bunch of people. And I do the same thing with video. Um, so I'll have, I'll have people, I'll have, these, I'll have somebody make a video that says why they feel like they're a good fit for the company. And it's crazy how effective this is because you see quickly just how, like, um, how creative they are. Yeah. And um, if they use unique tools and resources – you, you'll just learn a ton about You'll see like a, a personality you might not have seen in interviews. There's all these cool things. And so I think we have to force hires to be creative if they're in the game of creation. So yeah. if they're in the game of, of, of producing content, producing video, those things are, are incredibly important to me. And besides, we're in a social game. We're in a digital game. Everybody's got – you just can't be a digital aloof. You know what I mean? I mean yeah. you've got to be with it. So I think that's one of the mistakes – um, I think that's one of the mistakes that I've made. I um, I think also, you know, at, there's been times I think where I've made mistakes hiring in that I've based what they got paid on what they were paid in other places okay. before they were in the marketing space. In, in other words, in other words, if you're a small business, small agency, you can't necessarily pay what somebody was earning when they were working for some big fat corporation. And in their mind, they might expect that because that's what they're used to. But that's just not realistic to what your business model dictates, what your revenue dictates as a company. And so um, I don't think I was very good at that at first. And I, you know, I would say, where'd you work before? What type of, you know, what was your salary there? And I would allow that to dictate what the offer was versus what what their skill set merited. Okay. That was a mistake. That was a mistake. Gotcha. Um and j- I think the other the other mistake that I make and this is the most consistent one is I don't spend enough time with um giving constructive feedback to my team um with a lot of the little things and it's because I don't micromanage. And so what will happen is I'll assume they can do that training meeting well, yeah. but then I'll see little fundamental flaws with the way that they're going about it, that they're not hard fixes. I just didn't take the time to teach the principal. And then I'll take the time to teach it. And everybody's like, man, this is great. I can't believe I wasn't doing this. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe I didn't take the time to show. Right. Yeah. No, so that's definitely uh, a place where I suck at, and I really suck with the inbox. I think that's the problem, <laughs> though, that everybody, uh, 95% of people in the world, I think, have that problem, though, right now, is managing the the inbox beasts. You know, that's a struggle as well. And I'll tell you where the struggle lies for me, Andrew, just because I have a little bit of a brand. I struggle with all the pro bono, freebie, free advice, you know, like, I'm here to help you, I love you, which I do. Like, I want to help everybody. Uh, and actually doing work. Yeah. Find that's that a balance. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's a struggle. 
Cool. Marcus, thank you just so much for just sharing, just being honest, sharing that. That's awesome. Um, two more questions for you. Number one, what are, you've been podcasting for a while now. Uh, can you just share with us from an agency perspective, what is, impact has that had on the business and what lessons has that taught you as a communicator? I'm going to share something with you. I probably shouldn't share with you because it's like everybody would say, Ooh, um, this is like, I, I've always believed there's room on top for everybody. And so I don't, I just fundamentally don't believe in secret sauce. Yeah. Um, and so, so the most profitable podcast that I've ever created, I've got mad marketing has a big um, listenership. And it's not nearly as profitable as the hubcast. Okay. And I told somebody recently who's a big podcast, like it was a podcast on podcasts and how to make money podcasting. And I said, um, I generate over six figures a year on a podcast that does about 5,000 downloads a month. And his eyes blew out his head. That's awesome. Um, um, because he couldn't, like, he just couldn't understand that because that's incredibly contrary to how it works. But the Hubcast financially is one of the smartest things that I've ever done um, because it was super niche. It was just for HubSpotters. I didn't try to make anything else. And um, I also was pretty much the first one that did that. HubSpot should have done that. Dumb on them. Um, you know, they they chose to just do more like inboundy style. But in reality, they really should have done a podcast for their specific tool. Um, that should, it's just a must. That's just a must. A lot of people would much rather get, you know, tool updates and general tool knowledge through the spoken word than they would reading about it through email. And, and so a lot of people depend on us. We've got a very, very hardcore group of followers there with the Hubcast. And because of the Hubcast, we can promote workshops. And those workshops are really profitable. I would not sell those workshops if it wasn't for the Hubcast. So the Hubcast ultimately gets the credit for the sale. And that's why I can tell you it's, it's, you know, it's in the six figures per year on a, on a, you know, they only have 14 some thousand users, right? So the fact that we get 5,000 downloads a month is pretty solid. I'll take it based on percentages of, of how many people are actually, companies are actually using it. But when you say 5,000 downloads, that's nothing in podcast world. But for us, it's a huge revenue um, gen for the company. Dude, that's awesome. There's power in niche. Like, just, and you can you know, like see they it say, in the Riches are in the niches, and you know, the specificity is the key. And you know, I think that's the same reason why a lot of companies struggle with their content being heard. There's a lot of agencies struggle with, you know, the biggest mistake, you speak, speak of mistakes, arguably the biggest mistake I made as a, quote, agency I got to share two others with you, Andrew, if you don't mind, um, because I think they're poignant. The whole the thought leader thing helps me and it hurts me. The reason why it hurts me is because when I put something on the sales line, I want it to be, um, I want it to reach across all industries, all people, and have be very thought leadery or be very helpful to the masses. What I don't do is I don't produce content for specific industries nearly as much as I should. That hurts lead generation okay. because I never took the time to target industries because I didn't want to sacrifice the brand element of, of my reach. And fundamentally, I don't think that was a very good move. 
in many, many ways. Some ways it may have been. I think also in other ways it hurt me. And so there's, there's one thing. And that goes aligns itself with some of the most successful inbound agencies are the ones that have targeted niches that they go after. And they say, you know, we, we deal in the technology fields and we deal, you know, in manufacturing and that's where we play. Or for the ones that say we're just B2B or for the ones that just say we're just retail. Like all that stuff. I love the companies that do that because they become dramatically more attractive to those that they're trying to, you know, and obviously they become more of an expert and uh, they can dominate that niche. But they may not become, you know, as big of a brand or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if what if I'm going to tell you makes sense, but but there is a major decision to be made there when it comes to specificity and targeting versus being generic and being all reaching. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier about wanting to polarize in the sales process. It makes sense to polarize in marketing. If you're it going does. To... It does. And we've never done that well, but that's also maybe the reason why I speak at a lot of types of conferences versus just a few types of conferences. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a variety there. All right. Um, last question for you, Marcus, and we'll end on a serious note here. What is the best part of working every day with George B. Thomas? So I think the best part of working with George is he makes me want to be much better, much, much better. And... um he is truly a great, caring person. Like what you see is really George. You know what I'm saying? And um, and he's just, man, he is, I just love the guy. I love the guy. And I consider him a business partner, not an employee. And, um, and I think he's got a lot of, a lot of talents and skills that the world hasn't yet seen. And uh, he's on the cusp of, of showing them. And for me, whatever I can do to help him um, develop that, I, I look forward to doing. And, you know, on a side note, that is one thing that makes us pretty different is I really try hard to develop the brands of our employees. To me, that's important, that they get a brand, that they get recognition, that it ain't about me, just Marcus. You know, the sales line's more than Marcus. Yeah, and that's really cool. And while you're doing that, you make the whole brand look that much more awesome. So cheers to you guys. Yeah, I don't think everybody has that mentality. It kind of makes me sad when I see, you know, a blog without a byline. Yeah. I just think that's lame. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for coming here, sharing so much insight and just being real with us. Um, Appreciate it. If folks have questions or they want to reach out to you in any way, what's the best way they can do that? You can email me, Marcus at the salesline.com. You can hit me um, up on the Twitters at the salesline. Uh, the site is the salesline.com. And the two main podcasts are Mad Marketing and the Hubcast. Andrew, you are the man, brother. Love what you guys are doing. Appreciate you very, very much. And I'm just really uh, honored to have been a part of your show. Thanks for coming on, man. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. 
Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.